Good to see everyone today. In case you haven't noticed, I get the hard ones. I'm reading this text this week and I'm saying, how did I end up with this text? But um, I just want to make a few quick announcements before we jump into the text. One is, um, there's definitely adult content in this message, adult metaphors and adult language. So if you have young children, I, I posted it on the city. We want to give you another heads up to do whatever you are comfortable with if you want to take your children out or whatever you would like to do. And also the second announcement is, we're going to have a men's retreat December 10th and 11th. We'd love for all the guys who can come to come out and join us. We'll get the major theme of the weekend is going to be loving our wives like Christ loves the church. Last week we heard about valuing our wives. This week we're going to talk about being faithful to our wives. And then we'll just talk about how can we love them like Christ loves the church. And it's, it's just great. I love here at Seven Mile Road that we want to encourage our men to value and love their wives with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind and strength. And I also say one more thing before we jump into the text today. This message is meant to be preventative. So anyone who has suffered at the hands of adultery, I want you to know that I, as one of the pastors here, and all the pastors are sensitive to you. Um, This message is not meant to open up old wounds or to rehash condemnation in your life. We love to see when couples work through the sin of adultery and there's forgiveness and there's redemption and there's reconciliation and people are healed. So I just want us to know that we don't want people being condemned because this message is not for someone who has committed adultery or who has suffered at the hands of adultery. This is preventative. And so we also want to be sensitive to those who have left the marriage because of the sin of adultery. The Bible gives you the right to do that, and sometimes it can't be worked through. There's no repentance, um, and it's just because of the circumstances, it can't be worked through. No matter how much you prayed about it, there was just no repentance, and there couldn't be healing there. God does not condemn you. We do not condemn you. We love you. And I just want to make those two points before we jump in. Okay. Proverbs presents us with two women. One is woman wisdom. She's imaged in Proverbs 31. Her path leads to life. Her hands take care of a household. Her shoulders are geared towards doing the will of the Lord. Her heart fears the Lord. She is to be valued. She's more than precious than silver or fine gold. She is praised by her children. She is praised in the gates. She brings joy and happiness and life. Proverbs teach us to seek this woman and make her your wife. And when you have her as your wife, value her for all the days of your life. But also presents this other woman, woman folly. Her path leads to death and destruction and ruin. Her hands perform sinful behavior. Her shoulders are geared towards her own self-indulgence. Her heart is rebellious towards God and sinful, and she is not to be valued. The Proverbs tell us to stay far away from this woman because she brings death. So we have these two women, one to be valued and love and who fears the Lord, and one who we should stay far away from, and her path leads to death. So how does our culture 
view adultery. 67% of men cheat on their wives. 37% of women cheat on their husbands. I would say that our culture values woman folly. And so we just want to think through this. And we want to know that this is serious in our culture. And we don't want to fall in the same way because we know Christ and we can be guarded against these things. And Solomon had life experience when it came to adultery. His parents got together by committing adultery. So it's amazing to me that he still thought this was a horrible sin. God punished David and Bathsheba. He was walking on the balcony. We all know the story. And Bathsheba was taking a bath on the roof. He saw her and he said, I want her. And he had her husband killed and he took her to be his own wife. So I want us to understand that adultery is a problem. Solomon had the life experience to talk about it. And this is not only, even though this is geared towards young men, it is really relevant to everybody, to old men, to young women, to older women, because it affects our culture. And we want to guard our hearts, and we want to be faithful to our spouses. And we want to hear this like the original audience heard it, getting ready to hear wisdom and to hear instruction And hear Solomon speaking in a fatherly tone and warning us of the forbidden woman. So let's jump into the text. I'm going to read the first two verses of Proverbs chapter 5. It says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you might keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. What are the Proverbs doing for us? It's teaching us wisdom so that we can walk in the way of life. So we can stay away from destruction. So we can have abundance and joy and happiness and stay away from the path of destruction. Solomon is saying to his sons in a fatherly tone, I love you enough to tell you this. I want everyone to hear this today. The Lord loves us enough to tell us of the folly and the utter foolishness of adultery. And the big idea today is fools satisfy themselves with forbidden women, but the wise satisfy themselves with their own wife. He's saying, listen to these words. Meditate on these words. No truth, no discretion, no knowledge, and no wisdom. Then he goes on in verses 3 through 6 to tell us of the traits of a forbidden woman and how a forbidden woman operates. And let's just read those verses together. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her, pe- her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she doesn't even know it. Some would call the warning of staying away from forbidden women the major theme of the first nine chapters. Proverbs 2 Proverbs 3, Proverbs 4, the entirety of 5, half of Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7, Proverbs 22, Proverbs 28. All talk about staying away from forbidden women. So Solomon definitely thinks this is serious wisdom for us to obtain. And he's telling us what this forbidden woman is like. And it continually talks about her speech. Not only is her mouth attractive in appearance, but she speaks words that deceive. She speaks words that drip like honey. And we saw in Proverbs 7, she says stuff that 
entices the man. She seduces. She charms. She says things like in Proverbs 7, I've sought you and you alone. And we know that's not true. She was with a a different guy yesterday. You and you alone are the one I love. I've been seeking after you. These are lies. She says things like she promises sex all night long. She says, come, we'll make love until the morning. I can satisfy you in a way your wife cannot satisfy you. She dresses to entice men and to cause them to fall. She says that she prepares a place. She says, no one will find out. My husband is away. We can do this in secret. No one will ever know. She promises satisfaction, but she brings death. And that's why the images that are used in verse 4 are wormwood and a double-edged sword. Wormwood is a metaphor for a bitter experience. Her words cause you to think in the moment, not the afterwards. You think in the moment. She says, we've got tonight. We don't have tomorrow. Let's be filled and intoxicated with each other. We've got tonight. The man's not thinking about the consequences of a broken family. The wife that will hurt and betray. The covenant he made on the day he was married and given his beautiful wife. He's thinking in the moment. And let me make this clear. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end is death. This scripture is not saying that you won't get temporary sinful satisfaction from a night with an adulterous woman. It's saying it will bring death. Because even that's what sin does. But we want to think about our actions as mature men, as men who know the gospel. And women who know the gospel. We don't want to think in the moment. We want to think in the eternal. And we want to think of the consequences and think about others and not be selfish. It also says a double-edged sword. Now, not too many of us have seen a double-edged sword in our culture. But one of the perks of a double-edged sword is you slice them on the front swing. One of the bad things about double-edged sword is you slice yourself on the back swing. You're thinking in the moment, wow, this is great. Before you know it, your life is in destruction. And it tells us this. Her feet go down to death. It's important. Please remember this. Woman wisdom, her path leads to life, enjoying happiness. Woman folly, her path leads to death. Solomon is making this point that her path leads to death. Her steps lead to the grave. Matthew Henry says there's one step between a whore and hell. He wants us to understand the seriousness of that. There's one step. She doesn't even ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she doesn't even know it. There's no fear of the Lord. There's no conviction. There's no thought of the home she's wrecking. There's no thought of the consequences of her sin. Because she doesn't even ponder the path of life. She doesn't even know the Lord. Have you ever watched the show Cheaters? If you have, you better repent. But the show Cheaters, they hire a private investigator um, to investigate and see if their husband's cheating. And what happens a lot of the time is they find the husband with another woman, probably nine out of ten times. And it's amazing to me what the woman who he is found with says, the adulterous woman. She says, he's with me. I haven't done anything wrong. You should have satisfied him at home. 
He loves me. He doesn't love you. No thought to what she's doing. No thought of the family and the wife and the children that are involved. She just thinks about herself. She's self-indulgent and sinful and does not fear God. Her path leads to death. And now Solomon has just told us about this woman, her traits and how she operates and where she will bring you. Now he's going to give this, and I want us to hear this. He says, stay far away from this woman. Let's read verses 7 and 8. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Now a house can be her literal house. You should not go anywhere near the house of an adulteress and a forbidden woman. But a house can also be Facebook. If a girl wants to be your friend and her name is Debbie Dallas, please do not confirm her as your friend. Because forbidden women seek men who are married and try to entice them and tempt them. And many of the times it starts with an affair online, which 75% of the men in our culture don't think is really adultery. And they're wrong because God defines it as adultery of the heart. Of course, being physically intimate with a forbidden woman is a deeper level of sin than committing it in our heart, but is still adultery. We need to stay far away from the house of an adulterous woman. If you know she's going to be at a club, at a party, at a restaurant, stay far away from her. Don't think you can hold fire to your chest and you're not going to get burned. Don't think that you can have fire on your lap and not get burned. Many men say, I can flirt a little. I can get emotionally attached a little. I can send a few messages. Before you know it, they end up in motel six and they wake up and say, how did I get this far? Stay far away from my house. Don't think that you're one of the guys who can handle being flirtatious and can handle fantasizing. Many men have fallen prey to the forbidden woman thinking they're not one of those guys, that they're strong enough. Please hear my words when it comes to that. Then he talks about the consequences. And it's important. One more note. And Jesus says the importance of if something causes us to sin, to pluck it out or to cut it off. Of course, we don't want you plucking stuff out and cutting stuff off. But he's saying this is how serious sin is. That it's going to cause you to stumble to stay far, far away from it. Because sin is serious. We have the gospel. We have the blood. We know we're not perfect. But we want to stay as far away from sin as possible. We want to prevent folly in our life. Then Solomon talks about the consequences in verses 9 through 14. It says, Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. I think everyone agree, would agree that time is a precious thing. That life is a precious thing. As children of God, as the redeemed of the Lord, we want to spend our time bringing glory to God. We want to spend time with our wives and with our children. It goes by quick, doesn't it? My daughter went into first grade. I'm like, are you kidding me? She lost a tooth. I almost wept on the couch. I said, man, it's going by. I value those moments with my family, with my wife, with my community, bringing glory to God and finding joy in him. Why should we waste our life on forbidden women? Why should we waste our life 
picking up the pieces from the sin of adultery, trying to heal our family, trying to bring it back together, trying to deal with the guilt, trying to deal with the regret. Time is valuable. We should be spending it loving the wives that God has given us. We should redeem the time. It goes on to say, let strangers take the fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Now, believe it or not, there was even extortion back then. If you look at these high-profile celebrities, you'll see them paying hush money left and right to women that they have had affairs with. And that happened even back then. People would see and say, man, I'm going to blow your cover. I'm going to tell your wife. And they have to pay hush money. But also, most forbidden women are gold diggers. They'll, have you take, they'll be take, making the guy take them out to the nicest place, the nicest restaurants, the finest jewelry. Why would you spend your hard-earned money that's earned by your sweat and your toil on forbidden women? On women who are not yours. On woman folly. Don't waste your time, your labor, and your energy on forbidden women. That's what these verses are saying. Then it goes on to talk about the regret. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you'll say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. There's a lot of regret involved with committing adultery. Now you understand we have the gospel, and I just want everyone to understand that. But it will be a battle for the rest of your life to deal with the guilt and the regret, if we're going to be honest. And God can heal you. But why would we put ourselves in that situation? It will bother even your physical being. We all know when our mind is plagued, when our emotions are plagued, it affects us physically. I've seen men, it's too many men fall to the foolishness of committing adultery. And they just look so worn down like, when I see that their wives and their families have left them and their reputation has been destroyed, it's so sad to see them in that state because it plagues the soul, and when it plagues the soul, it plagues the body. And Solomon's making a point for us to think about the consequences because when we think about the consequences, it affects our decision in the moment. You'll say to yourself, why didn't I listen to Pastor Joey preach today? Why didn't I listen to these verses of scripture today? Why didn't I stay far away from her house? Why did I think I could go to the doorstep? Why did I think I could go to where she was? Why? Please listen to these words of scripture today. And stay away so you don't have this regret and this ruin. And get on this path that leads to death. He will say, I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. When you commit adultery, it's tough on your reputation. And we know we don't find our identity in our reputation, but we want to seek to reflect the image of Christ. We want our behavior to be like a child of God. We want our husbands to be faithful to their wives. We don't want to commit that sin so people look at us as an adulterer. And we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I need to make this consequence. Everyone understand the battle that goes on. And we know the gospel is true. But it's tough to come to where your family, friends, and community are when you've just committed a sin like adultery. It's tough to deal with that. 
Oh, they're looking at me like I betrayed my wife and I betrayed my family. And you have to deal with all those thoughts. And it even affects when you come into the house of worship. Like when the Israelites used to gather and go into the assembled congregation. I would say it would be harder for a man who just committed adultery to worship God in sincerity of heart when he's battling those thoughts of guilt and those thoughts of shame and those thoughts of regret. So I just want us to understand and let those consequences sit with us right now. But right now Solomon gives us the remedy. The number one remedy. He says the best defense is a good offense. He is saying, don't be satisfied with woman folly, who we just talked about, who brings death, but be satisfied with woman wisdom, who brings life, your own wife. And let's read verses 15 through 17. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Now, I'm going to talk in PG language today. Because I read some commentaries on this, and I was embarrassed and I was sitting by myself. So I'm going PG on this. A cistern and a well is a metaphor for our wife. And what do we get from a well? We get satisfaction. We get refreshment. We get life. A well is ours. It is private. And the fountains is talking about a man and his sexual energy. And should he be using his sexual energy in public places in the streets? So, let me give you a little thought that helped me. If you had Poland Springs at home, why are you drinking it out of the Emerson School fountain? Have you seen that thing? John walked by me say, today. It was so funny. And he says, can you drink the tap water in Malden? I said, I don't know, bro. And we looked at the fountain. There was a trash bag in it. There was tape on the corner. Look, people were just spitting on it. Why would you drink out of that when you have Poland Spring at home? Why would you not be satisfied with your God-given wife? Who you love, who you have children with, who you made covenant with, who loves you, who should be valued above silver and gold. Why would you value woman folly when you have Poland Springs who is just for you, who knows you, who loves you at home? She is for you and yourself alone. And I want to say this, sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a good thing when it's done inside the covenant of marriage between a husband and wife. It's a beautiful thing that God put in place for us to know each other in a deep and intimate way. So not only is the physical going on, but Paul says it's a mystery that the two become one flesh and one spirit. And it's amazing, the two become one. You know each other deeply emotional and emotionally and deeply spiritually and deeply physically. It brings health to a marriage when we are satisfied with each other. It's a good thing. Let's go on to read. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. There should be a lot of rejoicing going on in marriages. Just being satisfied with your God-given wife. And think of this thought. Not only did you choose your wife, God chose your wife for you. He knew what you needed. He knew what what would satisfy you. He knew who would deal with all your craziness. A wife is a great gift. And one of the benefits of being in a marriage is you get to be physically intimate. Let's call that rejoicing. Then you've got to leave it to 
a male-inspired writer in verse 19 to say, Lovely dear and a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, being intoxicated always with her love. He goes right from her being lovely and graceful to talking about her breasts. That's a male-inspired writer. There is nothing wrong. Actually, God made us to have the desire to be sexually satisfied by our wife, to look at her body and say it's beautiful. It's meant for you and her alone, and you can know her in a way you know no one else. How beautiful is that? How deep is that? How wonderful is that? And so Solomon is not suggesting that we should be intimate with our wives. He's commanding it. He's saying you need to be intimate because much danger can come if you lose the physical intimacy in marriage. You can be prone to attack. You can be prone to um, being satisfied with a forbidden woman. And you grow apart. When you're not physically intimate with your wife for a while, you notice that you start to grow apart because it's more than happening than just the physical intimacy. You're becoming vulnerable and naked and knowing her, and she's knowing you. You're touching each other in deep places of the heart and the soul. And when we don't do that, that makes us prone to danger. That's why Solomon's encouraging us to make sure you're intimate with your wife and loving her and taking time to have a conversation with her and knowing her. Now, I'm going to make a recommendation now, not a commandment. So I want you to hear it as a recommendation. You need to make, it would be, no, so this is a commandment. You need to make intentional time to be intimate with your wife. We make intentional time to do everything in our life. If we didn't intentionally set a time at 10 o'clock for all to come and worship together as a community, guess what? It would suffer, and we wouldn't do it every week. If we didn't make an intentional time in soul care to come together and to know each other as a community, be accountable to each other, confess our sin, hear from the word, preach the gospel into each other's life, it wouldn't happen regularly, and it would suffer. If we don't make intentional time to be physically intimate with our spouse, that area of your life and your health is going to suffer. What me and my wife do is have a date night because it gets tough. Both working. I know for me, myself, I'm running a business and I'm pastoring. I'm being a wife. I'm not being a wife. (laughs) I'm being a husband and a father. (laughs) I knew there'd be at least one mess up in this one. And my wife is working so hard doing, working on the house, loving my, our children, loving me. It gets hard to make time sometimes to be together. That's just for you and her. We have a date night every week that's blocked off. I protect it valiantly. I've seen too many men fall. I've seen too many people just acting like roommates and living with each other. And I know the importance of knowing your wife and loving your wife. And I would encourage everyone to make time. It doesn't have, you don't have to do it like me, but make time to know your wife in an emotional, spiritual, and a physical way. It's very important. And that's why they stay this right here. Let her breast fill you at all times, being intoxicated always with her love. It's saying it could be, should be consistent and regular, not annual. It shouldn't be Christmas time and be like, 
Christmas again, honey. We're going to have a little time. No, it should be consistent and regular and be rejoiced in. And you should be intoxicated with her love, drunk with emotions and expressing yourself. And I love you so much. And I'm so thankful for you and you alone because you're my standard of beauty. I'm not think comparing you to other women. You don't have to look like a supermodel on the front of these foolish magazines. You're my standard of beauty. Guess what? We're going to grow old. We're going to get wrinkled. We're going to lose our hair. We're going to get gray hair. We're going to get cellulite. We're going to put on some LBs. But guess what? I'm still going to be loving my wife intimately because it's not just about that. And I've seen so beautifully as couples grow old and they still love each other, wrinkles and all. And that's so important that we take advantage of this gift that God has given us. Then Solomon goes on in verses 20 through 23, asking the question, why? And I want to ask everyone this question. Why would you drink from the public fountain when you have the wonderful gift of your life? Why would you bring your life to ruin and regret and death when you have woman wisdom and she brings life and joy and happiness to you? And this is very important that we hear this. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his past. Solomon reminds us that not only are we sinning against our wife and against our family, we're sinning against the Almighty God, who says we shall not commit adultery. And don't belittle the omniscience of God. He knows the hearts of every man and woman in here. He knows when we're fantasizing about other women, when we're entertaining thoughts we shouldn't be entertaining, when we're trying to hide something. I would encourage you to repent and just understand that God loves you. And the reason he wants you to repent is because he doesn't want you to fall into this sin. He wants you to have life and have it more abundant and enjoy all the days of your life. And finally, he says, Solomon puts a bookend on this by saying, he dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he's led astray. He's basically saying what we've been saying this whole series in full town. This is utter foolishness to commit this sin. Don't be a fool. Don't die for lack of wisdom. Don't die or go into ru- ruin and regret Regret and suffer the consequences because you didn't listen to the warning of the Lord. So let's finish with this thought. All the husbands and wives in this congregation, I encourage you to be satisfied with each other, to love each other, to know each other, and to be faithful to each other alone. And stay away from forbidden women and woman folly. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this community, and I thank you for your word, that you love us enough, Father, to warn us of destruction. And you love us enough to give us husbands and wives who love us and love us alone, and who we can be satisfied with, Lord. I pray that you would cause this wisdom that we just heard to sink deep into our souls, into our hearts, into our minds. And that we stay far away from the sin of adultery. And that our marriages would be healthy 
in every way, Lord. Just bless us as we continue to worship you. Amen.